I actually didn't even know that you could divide perennials. The first thing you want to do is establish your root mass. Say you could divide a perennial from your dad's garden and bring it on a plane to Alberta and then grow it in your own backyard. Which one would you take? So I would, if I'm doing it in the fall, I tend to use my bone meal. If I'm doing it in the spring or the summer, I tend to use my... I have a ton of houseplants and I'm wondering if I can divide these or do I need to propagate? Welcome back to the Helpful Gardeners podcast. And this week, Colin, we're getting divisive. All right. We're going to get political. Let's get divisive. We're going to transplant some perennials. No, we're not. See, I'm being divisive. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, that was smart. <laughs> Actually, that I was think... like, I can't imagine us fighting. Like, no. I literally can't. And I don't even think that was divisive. I think that was just contrary. <laughs> I think that was just being a brat. We're dividing perennials. No, we're not. Let's just make some perennial babies. I love yeah. it. I love perennials. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so what is a perennial? Let's just read recap it for anybody who doesn't know. Plant that comes back. So a perennial, the simple definition is any plant that returns every year. Okay. So trees and shrubs are perennials. Yeah. But they, when, when, when we discuss perennials as gardeners, we're talking about herbaceous perennials and that just means uh, it doesn't have the woody stem. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so yes, you could say, well, my tree's a perennial. It's absolutely a perennial. I, I'm not I, I'm not going to argue that, but it's not. When we say uh, in a garden center, where's the perennial department? I'm not walking you to tree lot. Exactly. Okay. I'm taking you to the hostas and the iris and the lilies and the bleeding hearts. And that's where we're going to go look. So it's any of the herbaceous plants that come back every year. Okay, perfect. We've laid the ground rules. So everybody knows what we're going to be talking about on this episode. And I actually, like before I met you, didn't even know that you could divide perennials. You, you brought up the concept and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's fun. It really is. And okay, so the first time you do it, it's uh, it's pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely helped my dad do it. My dad, my dad did it in England. Um, in England, daffodils will naturalize. So he would even dig up his bulbs and separate his bulbs and plant them in different areas and whatnot. But he would divide his perennials. But it wasn't me doing it. And my dad was was quite a good gardener. Very good gardener. It wasn't he was an electrician by trade, but his two hobbies were uh, gardening and woodwork. So I, I knew it could be done, but the very first time I had to do it, and it wasn't even my own perennial; it was somebody else's garden. They had these huge astilbes. We were redoing uh, the whole garden, and we were uh, expanding it, and we were taking some of the astilbes, and we were dividing them. And then we were planting them and uh, I was I was pretty fresh. I was pretty green. And the guy who was teaching me, Simon, was basically like, okay, lift those astilbes, uh and then divide them. And I'm like, uh, how exactly do I? And he's like, just put your shovel, cut them in half. And then he walked away. And I was like, okay. And the first time you're doing it, you're like, I must, I must be hurting this. I must. Like it seems wrong, right? Because you're always told, oh, beware of the root system, beware of the root system. And now there's somebody telling you to cut right in the middle of it. You are. So anytime you do that, anytime you uh, disrupt a plant like that, you are absolutely damaging it and shocking it, Mm -hmm. but you're not killing it. And that's the important uh, distinction because there is also uh, something to be said about shocking a plant uh, in order to make it perform. We had these uh, rhododendrons, and there was three rhododendrons, uh, and they were growing perfect location. Two of them bloomed like there was no tomorrow. Those 
beautiful pinkish purple flowers and that dense uh, green leaf. And rhododendrons like uh, damp areas. They're like shady areas. So that color really pops. Third one, nothing. Mm. Wouldn't bloom. And uh, the client was like, I, I, want, I want it to bloom. We're like, well, we do too. So we tried everything. We, we rhododendrons like slightly acidic soil. So we helped acidify the soil. We made sure it was getting the extra moisture, fertilized, would not bloom. And one year I took the garden fork and I didn't go like nuts, but I absolutely damaged the root system. Next year, prolific blooms. Oh my goodness. Because I'd put it into shock. It was now concerned about its survival. So it had to bloom. So you have a perennial that hasn't grown much. It's kind of sitting there. A good example are hostas and iris. Okay. And they sometimes get to a point where they're not really blooming or they're not really growing anymore. They just kind of uh, yeah. divide them. Oh my God. The blooms you get the next year, the growth you see on them is incredible. And and your favorite, another one that I uh, love to divide, uh, call forest to grasses. Oh yeah. What you could do, for example, you could grow a call forest to grass in the spring because they are very aggressive. You could lift it. You could divide it. You could take a small piece put it in your planter to get you through to the fall where it would die. It grows so aggressively, it would fill in the next year. You could do it again. Oh, perfect. See, this is why we love perennials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're the gift that keeps on giving. They really are. And so maybe let's talk about reasons to to uh, divide and to transplant. Because, I mean, you touched on one there where you're talking about a plant that's underperforming. So here's a way to spruce it up. Maybe um, another reason to divide your perennials would be to uh, give them to a friend. (laughs) Oh, my God. Of course you went there. (laughs) Right? Share the wealth. Well, and and yeah, uh, absolutely share the wealth because... You know, sometimes we go with what we're familiar with. Yeah. We stay in our comfort zone. Yeah. So we go, oh, well, I know daylilies. I know that they're very hard to kill. I'm going to get daylilies. And then after four or five years, you go, oh, it's, I'm kind of bored with the daylilies. But maybe you have a friend who doesn't have daylilies. Maybe they have echinacea. Mm-hmm. And you go, hey, do you want to trade these? And you can actually do that. And it works great. You can dig it up and and absolutely you can you can share it. Move it around your own property. Mm-hmm. Dividing perennials. Okay, you have one year where it doesn't look so great, but then it fills in so it can save money. Mm-hmm. Okay, you do you do a bed, you put in your perennials, and then the next year you lift them and divide them. When we moved into the to the place that we're in now, uh, somebody had let uh, the foxglove just go mad, and we had way too much of it. So I thinned it all out, and I put it all in a bunch of pots that I kept, because I do, uh, and I gifted it. I had, uh, I think, about 16 or 17 pots. Mm-hmm. The first people I gifted it to were Peter and Bree. Yeah, and they came over and I said, hey, do you guys want some? And Peter was like, oh, I don't. And Bree was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Bree took, uh, took quite a few. Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons why I was so interested in this topic was because my mom is planning on moving out of her house soon. Okay. And this is my childhood home. So... 
her garden, it's one of the rare houses up in the Northwest that still has a large backyard. And so I grew up with things like roses and peonies and lilacs. And um, she has this whole backyard full of perennials. My thing is I'm going to be buying a house soon and I'm actually going to have somewhat of a garden. So my small space gardening is going to turn into a bigger space gardening. And I really want to take some of those plants from her garden to kind of nostalgia, right, of my childhood. So here's my question. So now that I've bought a house and I'm looking to divide perennials, how do I go about doing it? You were talking about your first time doing it, how scared you were. Yep. That is exactly how I'm feeling right now. Is yep. I don't want to do it. Um, you know, I've heard of my mom taking perennials back from her parents' house in Creston and being able to plant them and they will actually live. So I know perennials are are hardy and they are you know, there's a good chance that they'll survive, but I still want to know the right way to do it. A lot of times uh, when we're transplanting, not so much dividing. Dividing, we we kind of control that narrative. We're doing it because we know we're either giving a gift or we're extending our garden bed or we want to do something. Or, or sometimes it's gotten too big and I just need it to be smaller. Okay. So where we go, okay, spring, it's shooting. I know the size of it. I lift it up. Everything is still nice and small. I'm going to divide it. Transplanting can be that, but also transplanting can be like, oh, there's a major renovation or uh, something's gone wrong with the city and they need to rip up all the sidewalk and they're going to come onto your property. You need to get those plants out of the ground right now. And it's 35 degrees and full sun. So you can you can lift and divide a perennial whenever you want. But you said, how do you do it correctly? Early spring. For the most part. Oh, oh. If you divide your bleeding heart in early spring, there's a good chance it won't flower because it's a spring blooming plant. Right. So you lift it out in the spring when it's like trying to actively grow and put out its flowers. And then you you lift it out the ground, then you chop it in half and put it back in. It's like, oh, okay, I need to reestablish. I don't have time for my flowers. I need to, I need to survive. So maybe on your bleeding heart, you want to wait until the autumn. Mm-hmm. But anything that isn't a spring blooming plant, divide in the spring. Oh, Okay. As it gets bigger and it puts out all of its leaves, you're going to do more damage to the plant. Where when the shoots are very small, it's easier to see what you're doing uh, and it's easier to cut. So the first thing you want to do is establish your root mass. A lot of times I see people who go to transplant and they put their shovel way too close to the crown of the plant, like right into the into the root system. That's exactly what I would have thought. You know, well, because that's what you see, right? You're like, oh, okay, just go to the root and then get it. Start. Okay, so... The biggest plant I ever divided was a hosta, and it took three of us to get it out of the ground. It must have weighed 250 pounds. Yeah. And 250 pounds, all of the roots and the soil and whatnot. And we got, I think it was 12 plants out of it. It took so much, so much digging to get it out. But we started back, I would say... From the outside leaf, we probably started digging in about eight inches away from the plant. And I dig in and I bend my spade or my shovel back and I go, oh, no real resistance. And I move in a little bit closer until I feel, oh, I'm pulling and I see the plant move. Now I've established where my roots are. I would rather come onto the root system than drive my shovel in and have that sickening sound of going straight through the root ball. And you go, 
Oh, no. Now, well, I just divided it. <laughs> so always establish your root system, and it's always better to come onto your root system than it is to dig into your roots and then try and work backwards, because then you haven't damaged it. The worst thing you've done is tilled your soil, so yep. that's even better for it. Exactly. And it's not like you got to start like five feet away, right? You get a good idea of where they are. So dig all around, dig deep, get it loose 100%. Good idea to have pruners. Again, it depends on the size of your plant because sometimes you'll think you've got it all loose and you go to lift it and some roots are stuck in the ground. Mm. It's always better to do a clean cut than a rip. It's going to heal unbelievably quick. Jagged, rough rips and cuts are a nightmare because the skin isn't a nice, easy stitch to itself. So a clean cut is better than ripping it and exposing everything. What ends up happening? So you dig around it. And you peel it and you you pull back on your shovel and it rocks out of the ground and you feel it and you go, great. And you reach in with your hands and you go to lift it up and you go, and it doesn't come because there's two, three, four roots still connected. Mm -hmm. Well, I see some people who go, they keep ripping and you're hearing the roots rip or they're ripping out of the plant, not out of the ground. And you're like, oh my God, just stop, take your pruners and snip those roots. That's it. If possible, don't do it in full sun or a hot day. Okay. Cool, rainy day is the best. Oh, okay. Early spring, cool, rainy day. That's the day to go wild on your perennials. So is this after the ground has thawed? Yes. You don't want to do it when it's frozen because then it might not come out. Okay. Got it. Once you start seeing that active growth, normally that means the whole root ball is thawed. Okay. Okay. Now, that being said, I've absolutely done it in uh, the middle of, uh, we used to do it commercially. Right. We we can't pick and choose when it's going to happen. We have a job to do. I have absolutely uh, lifted perennials at two o'clock in the afternoon in August. OK, <laughs> like I don't have a choice. It's miserable. It's hot. It's dirty. It's dusty. But it has to be done. But lift it out the ground as much uh, root ball as, as, as you possibly can, keeping it intact. And then you want to put it on a firm surface. So don't put it on loose soil, a lawn is the best. You don't want to do it on a driveway because you'll damage your uh, shovel or your edger. Ascertain the size of it. And this I can't really say. And then cut it in half straight down the middle of the root ball. How many times can you cut it? Like I said, I got 12 out of that hosta. When do you know that it's too much? You want to keep as much root ball and leaf as possible. Okay. And, And when you cut it, most of the time you'll see parts that fall off that get damaged. They're not worth saving. Okay. Okay. It's just it, it's never really going to amount to everything. I would say if you can get a, you know, a four inch by four inch solid chunk with good foliage, good shoots and good roots, that'll work. The more, the better. And then plant it immediately. And if if you're giving it as a gift, get it in a plant pot and pot it up properly. So you, you pot it like you would put a, a house plant, a transplant, anything like that, but get it back in the ground Lots of water, a transplant fertilizer, a root booster, a, a starter fertilizer, something for those roots because you've you've just shocked the living hell out of it. So even if it's in the fall, yep. if you're doing a spring flowering one, you want to hit it with fertilizer. So in the fall, what I would do is uh, I would fertilize, but I would probably use a, a bone meal. Oh, oh, slow release. Yeah. 
Because then what will happen is it's not going to shock it into any kind of new growth. The roots have got something. It goes dormant in the spring. The moment it wakes up, if I don't get to it in time, it's already got something feeding its roots. Mm -hmm. Because bone bone meal is normally like a zero ten zero. Yeah. It's just for root development. So I would, if I'm doing it in the fall, I tend to use my bone meal. If I'm doing it in the spring or the summer, I tend to use my uh, water soluble and I do a root booster, transplant fertilizer, quick start Anything like that, anything that is designed to get your plant up and running quick is what you want to give it because you you really have put it in shock. And then water. Now is not the time for you to be like, my plants are going to have some adversity in them. <laughs> your perennial has already had plenty of adversity in that 20 minutes. Yep. Now is the time to water Now it. recovery mode. Yeah. And if, you're, if you dig it up and you go, oh, I... I don't, I don't know that I can do this. Just replant it. Okay. Okay. Remember when you're riding a bike as a kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you learn how to ride it properly and you, you're nervous and you're scared. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, this is the easiest thing ever. How, how could I not have done this? Yeah. And you get it. It's the same thing. You're looking at it and you, you, you're unsure and you, you put your, your, your spade on it or your edger or, or something. And you go, oh, am I going to, uh, and then the moment you take that first cut and you feel it separate and you feel how solid it is, you're like, oh, I've got this. After I did my first distilby, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're damaged. Yeah, I broke some stems. Yeah, there's some roots broken. But at the at the, at the the heart of it, I now have two plants that I can feel a solid root system. And I'm like, okay, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. And then away you go. You had talked about watering when you've just freshly transplanted. So if you've freshly transplanted, say like a peony, right? And it's a, it was a well-established peony. How often should you water it? Like once a day? Weather permitting. Uh, so uh, at least once a day. Don't, don't play that, oh, I think it's going to rain later this afternoon game. Again, like when we were talking about watering. Yeah. Okay, you're not going to overwater. Okay, I would rather you overwater it than underwater it. You want those, those roots don't have the strength to start looking for their water. They need everything given to them. They've just had surgery. Okay, so if somebody just had surgery, now is not the time to be like, no, 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 you have to learn to do your own grocery shop. (laughs) Oh, you just had uh, knee surgery. Nope. Now is the time to learn to ride your bike. You know, no. Now is the time for people to do nice things for that person. And then when you're better, guess where they send you? physiotherapy, and they'll put you through hell and back. So that's what you want to do. You want to baby that plant for two weeks to a month to make sure it's established and it's not gone into like horrible shock and it's dying. Then you can start letting it get adversity. You can start letting it build up again and start letting it get back to where you want a perennial to be. So does this also include bulbs? Like, do we include bulbs in this? Because like a lot of people would argue, oh, my tulips are perennials. Would I also do that for this? You can. Honestly, in uh, in Calgary, I've never seen the bulbs naturalize enough to warrant dividing them. <laughs> Absolutely, you can. Uh, my dad used to. The, the, the biggest problem with bulbs is... You want to do them before they've completely died back. So bulbs, you have a limited window. I've I've had to dig bulbs up for a number of reasons to replace them, to move them, to transplant them. And you go, oh yeah, I know where the tulips are. And then it's like a it's like a pirate with a treasure map. And then after they've all died back and all of the stems have been removed, and a month later you're like, Well, I know they're in this 
area. And you know that whole thing about like the pirates digging for treasure and they've dug up half the beach before they find it? That's, yeah, that's where you're at. You start digging and you're like, I think they're around here. Every time I've done it, I've uh, damaged bulbs. If you do want to transplant your bulbs, if you do want to move them, if you do want to lift them, uh, it's always better to do it while there is still something you can see so you know exactly where your bulbs are. Okay, that's good. Yeah, dig down. Don't don't wait until August and be like, there was tulips over here and just start randomly. (laughs) If you want the treasure hunt, Fill your boots. They're your tulips. No, no, you know me. Yeah. That's not my that's not yeah. my jam. <laughs> if you really can't, if you don't have the time or the wherewithal or, you know, um, you, you don't want to be digging in, put a marker flag. Put something to tell you where they are and understand, yes, you may damage some because you, you just don't know with bulbs. With perennials, it's relatively easy. Yeah. But honestly, the, the number one thing is don't be intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. There's tricks like... If you if you have to do it in the summer, okay, it's it's happened where a renovation or there's an emergency or something needs to happen and you need to lift them before you dig them out. Um, have you ever heard of the expression healing in? No. Okay, so healing in is where you transplant your perennials, but it's not permanent. Okay, so literally you dig a trench. Yeah. Okay. You lift your perennials out, you take them straight over, you put them in the trench, and then just throw soil over the roots, and they're healed in. They're not going to die, they ain't going to thrive. You just, you healed them in. Okay. And then, when the area is fixed, the, the new bed is cut and amended, or the fence is replaced, or what or the driveway is done, whatever it might be, then you move them back to the area and you plant them properly. Okay, so they're, they haven't gone through too much... Um, you'd be like shocking them twice, though, wouldn't you? Yes and no, because you haven't allowed their roots to establish in the new area. Yeah. Healing in is not a long-term solution. Healing in, you're looking at doing that for a week, two weeks, three weeks. You want to hear? Uh, this is a uh, this is pretty funny. Years ago, we uh, we did a garden, and the the person had bought the house, and the person before them, uh, for whatever reason, had ringed all of their property with the exact same type of hosta. Oh. And they were like, can we keep some, but I don't want that many. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. There must have been uh, 150 hostas. Wow. And we, we were like, well, what do you want us to do with them? And they were like, we don't care. <laughs> keep them, take them, throw them out. We don't care. I just don't want them. Yeah. So we said, okay, no problem. I get it. It, it is an excessive... Maybe if they'd all been different hostas, but they weren't. They were all the same type of hosta. So I went to uh, my then girlfriend's uh, and I was like, hey, do you want some hostas? And she was like, yeah, of course. So uh, we looked around on where we would plant them and uh, we we put them out and uh, I started planting. And I think, I think I got like 15 or 20 and I planted them all. Anyway, later that summer, we were sitting in her backyard having a beer, just chilling out. And I looked over and I said, what? What is up with that? So one of the hostas I hadn't planted, I forgot about. So she had um, steps that came down and we put our hostas on the posts coming down because it literally went into the grass. Well, I planted one on one side and forgot the other. It had been sitting on the grass with its roots out, but hostas are in the shade. So it was on the shade. It was on the northeast side. So it had never been hit by fall sun. It had established, I went to lift it up and the roots had gone through the grass into the ground. And I was like, oh my God, that is wild. 
Like if it had wilted, I would have seen it right away and we would have fixed it immediately. I hadn't even noticed. It wasn't until I was sitting looking and I'm like, there's something off. But that is a very, very rare example. Most of the time you take a plant, a perennial, put it on the surface, don't plant it and walk away. You're not going to have a perennial. Yeah. I feel like especially in Alberta where it's so dry, that would be game over. But if you're in somewhere humid, like... Humid humid and shady and a shade loving plant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was like, okay, I can, I can, I can make this work. <laughs> not ideal, guys. But <laughs> If you could go back to England to your dad's garden... Which one, say you could bring, okay, this is going to be a wild world. Say you could divide a perennial from your dad's garden and bring it on a plane to Canada, to the prairies, to Alberta, and then grow it in your own backyard. Which one would you take? Can I pick two? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> You're so great at these I can't, I can't take, I, what am I going to set ground rules? No. In but this yeah, fictional some people would, world. Some people would be like, no. Like, you're the kind of person that you'd be like, top five desert island albums. I'd be like, can I pick six? You're like, yes. <laughs> the ground rules are in the title of the game but you're like no you're allowed why would six. i give you ground rules yeah. on a fictional event <laughs> that seems cruel the reason i would pick two is um i would pick uh his daffodils because uh daffodils are my mom's favorite flower oh yeah so i would bring some of my dad's daffodils for my mom uh and iris because that was my dad's favorite flower and i love both daffodils and iris because of that Oh, wow. It's interesting that they're both like bulb type plants. Yeah. None of them. Well, I guess is an iris technically a root? Uh, it's a, it's it's actually a corm, C-O-R-M. Uh, Google it. Yeah, iris are, are grown from corms. My dad loved his roses, but you can't, I'm not going to say you can't because I, I have done it before, but very, very few shrubs like being divided. Oh, okay. It's better if you're doing a shrub to take cuttings or uh, there's a method. I can't think of the name now. It's actually really cool. doesn't work on every shrub. Dogwoods, spirea, hydrangea, you can do it. Uh, and you know how the branches are very willowy, like you can bend them? Mm-hmm. Okay, so take a branch, take a few branches, bend them, and put a cut. Don't cut all the way through. You only want to cut about a third of the way through the branch and bend it so that the cut is in the soil. Cover it in soil, and then you might need to weight it down. Okay, you might need to put like a brick or something on it to keep it from springing back up. Water it and let it go. And where the cut is, very often it'll send out fresh roots and you get a new shrub. Propagation outside. That's so fun. Yeah, and 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 you can make, I've, and I've done it before. I've done it on uh Done it on some spirea, hydrangea, dogwood are the easiest. Yeah. You, you can't mess up. To, and the branches get so long. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really easy to just bring down to yeah. ground level. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I would, if I could, I would love to get some of my dad's uh, daffodils and iris. Yeah. You know, my mom recently was faced with that dilemma out in Creston, BC. Um, like her father just recently passed away and he was kind of like your dad, like hobby was gardening and woodworking. He loved his garden and he would always bring my grandmother in roses from the garden. He was so cute. They, they're just selling the house now. And my mom didn't get to bring any flowers from, or maybe she did. Basically what she brought back was a rhubarb which I thought was an interesting choice. I guess um, there was a lot of family recipes with rhubarb, so that's nostalgia for her. That's funny that because my dad had rhubarb, and do you know what uh, one of my favorite snacks was as a kid? She would go out and she would just cut a stem of rhubarb 
Okay, and it was big, big, huge. Well, I mean, they seemed like big, huge stems. I was also wee, wee small. <laughs> but but you would give us that, and then she would give us a small glass well, like uh, one of the like little plastic cups, and put sugar in it. And you would dip the end in sugar and just bite it off, and the sugar would combat the tartness. But you'd be eating all of the fiber of the rhubarb. And it actually tastes good. Oh, you've never done it? I've never done it. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Just get a stem of rhubarb from, from the grocery store, whatever. Literally, just dip it in the sugar and bite it. And then the juices run so the sugar sticks to it. Yeah, okay. Eating the sugar like that probably isn't that good, but it's still probably less sugar than like a can of Coke. Yeah. You know, it's uh, so, you know, growing up in England, a lot of a lot of those snacks, uh, they were what uh, our parents got as kids. And, and they grew up where there was rations after the war and, and things had to come from the garden. Everything was very limited. And I still remember hot summer's days just sitting there, dipping my rhubarb and eating it. And it was like most simple snack ever. And it was one of my favorite favorite snacks. Yeah. And that's the kind of things that I want to preserve as well. And I think it's so special. I I remember as a cashier, I would always hear stories from customers who primarily with houseplants where they would inherit a plant like a bonsai or some kind of perennial tree or a cactus or whatever from like their grandmother. And it would just go down in generations. And I kind of like the idea of perennials doing the same thing. You know, there's something to be said as well about dividing perennials uh, like I said, it um, it inspires them to new life. So when they're tired and and they're getting old, because they do have a lifespan, it can encourage new growth. It can it can start them going again, and that's what I love about it is that you can pass these down and you can you know like you said rhubarb. If all of the recipes called for it, and and that was like you know the mother plant of all of these recipes, why wouldn't you want to bring that one with you? When we look at a garden, especially you know maybe our parents' garden or uh, a grandparents' garden or a friend's garden, we we might all have the same the same feeling uh, like nostalgia or love, but we're probably all liking something different. Like somebody might be like, "Oh my god, I love the lawn because we used to play catch on it." Okay, ain't nothing wrong with that. And other people, they want the rhubarb because of the snacks or the recipes. Other people, it was the roses because they used to snip them and bring them inside. So it's all of those memories and all of those memories are valid. And that's a great thing is that you can move plants around. See, I love that. So maybe hopefully that this is going to inspire some listeners to share their own wealth in their garden or to maybe go and ask their parents for a little portion of their garden for the nostalgia of it all. You know, there's a lot that you can do with perennials. And I like the idea of division and transplanting. It's something everybody should know about. You know, how there's certain professions or industries. Like I, I know some people who are uh, chefs, cooks, and you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. What's in it? They're like, I can't tell you. And you're like, come on, man, it's a cinnamon roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only so much you can put in it. <laughs> but whatever, that's that's your secrecy. That's your claim to fame. You have it. But I'm never like that in the garden. You know that. I, I, we've done GA Kids TV, TV shows, webinars, radio, like Get me to shut up about a garden is the real trick. You like? Oh, and actually, I'm glad that you brought up GA Kids TV because we did do a perennial division episode, and we actually did a whole demonstration. I be- did we do a demonstration on perennial? I think we did a call forester. Yes, that's right. Okay, so because and then we give both of yes, them away. That's right. We divided and conquered. So um, I will link that into our show notes. So make sure to check that out if you actually want to physically see Colin divide a perennial. It's really cool. And that that one though, you know. 
it was a little bit easier because we literally took it out of the pot. True. Yeah. You know, we took it out of a pot and, and uh, the principle is there. Like yeah. that's how you do it. But digging it out of the garden, there is more because here's another factor. So say uh, again, uh, there's a renovation because that's, that's one of the most common ones. And you transplant, well, you have to lift everything. So it doesn't really matter. You start at one edge and you lift every plant, you heal them in or you, you replant them, whatever, no problem. Easy peasy. But when you're lifting just one plant to transplant or divide and it's in a perennial bed, well, you don't want to lift every other perennial. So now you have to lift that out without disturbing the other perennials. Right. And that's where it can get tricky. The lifting and the cutting uh, after a while, that's the easy part. Then it's like, oh, yeah, I got to fix that. I got to move that. Yeah, I guess we've we've sort of taken the easy route with this one. Hey, we haven't really talked about if you have Jumanji, what do you do? <laughs> wait, wait, but it's you. So the rules can yeah. change. <laughs> <laughs> the rules are flexible. But it's it, it, and one thing I, I wanted to say when I was talking about healing in, if you're uh, transplanting or lifting your pots in the summer or lifting your plants, sorry, to, to put into pots or put into the garden in the summer, do your prep work beforehand because I've done it. Again, this is how I know. Uh, you lift the plant and it comes out and it's big. It's way bigger than you thought. And that can happen a lot. And you've got this colossal root ball and you lift it out and it's baking hot. It's dry. And you go, oh, crap, I have to plant this. And you're looking around and now you're frantically digging a hole to try and get it in. And here's the kicker is that, sure, okay, go ahead and water it. Okay, you're like, oh, no, it's suffering. I need to water it. Now you're planting mud. And now you should never bust out water until you're done. Okay, in an emergency, of course, water. But watering should be done at the end. Otherwise, all you're doing is making a hell of a mess. Mm -hmm. So prep your area. Be it Again, even if you're not sure where you want it, dig a trench and heal it in, throw it in a pot, whatever it takes, but have it prepped. So it's not just sitting there in the sun while you go, "Uh Oh, what do I do next? So prep, you know how we always say uh, with seeds or with anything, look at the end result, same thing. So if you're transplanting a peony and you go, ah, well, I don't really like it here. I think it would look nicer there. Dig the hole you're moving it to first. Even if that hole isn't the exact size and you have to knock some more soil in or dig a bit more soil out, you're already ahead of the game. The more you're rushing, the more mistakes you make. So yeah, a little bit of prep work goes a long way, but absolutely it's it's so worthwhile doing and it, it, it does go a long way. And, and you can do it. You can spend a day lifting, dividing, transplanting, sharing with friends and your garden looks nice and different and it's freshened up, but everything is the same. And it took you a day in the garden. It didn't even cost you anything. Yeah. Yeah, maybe some fertilizer, but it, if you're like me, you've already got all of that at home and you're ready to rock and roll. And this week's question comes from our Instagram, which you can do so at Golden Acre Garden. And this one comes from Kathy, who is actually asking about dividing houseplants. Yeah, hi, Colin and Brandy. I have a ton of houseplants and I'm wondering if I can divide these to share with friends or do I need to propagate? 
Wow, okay, good question. I didn't even think about dividing houseplants. I always prefer propagation with my houseplants. Oh, yeah? It seems safer. And, and it's funny because, it, you know, dividing seems more alluring because it's like, oh, here's this mature plant and I just have to cut it in half. But like propagating is so vulnerable. Propagating, it takes time and it might not work, blah, blah, blah. But you're not going to hurt the mother plant. Okay. And that's always my concern. But with that being said, again, it, it, it's, much like, uh, it's much like your garden. There are some plants you can and some plants you cannot. So you can't divide a tomato plant. You can't divide maple tree. But then there are other plants that you can. Your house plants are the same. So I've, I've done it. I've div- divided, I'm trying to think, uh, snake plant, corn plant, spider plant, pothos. They were all uh, successful. Were they pretty old? Like pretty, sorry, mature? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. You're worried about offending the pothos? <laughs> Is he old? <laughs> yeah, they were They were all, they were all in pretty, and to be honest, a few of them I, I divided, not to, not to give away. I'm not like you, Brandy. I don't give everything away. I didn't, it needed to be transplanted and I didn't have a pot big enough. Serious? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it needed to be transplanted. So instead of transplanting it to a bigger pot, I just made the plant smaller. Like, what do I have at home? Yeah. So yes, it can be done. Uh, same principles. Same principles. So you want to lift it out. Uh, again, now now we can't do it in the spring. Okay. Uh, it's not like it dies back where we can do it. But at the same time, you don't have to worry about it being in direct sun or being too dry or having adverse conditions. You can control the conditions. Okay. Put it out. Make sure that there is enough healthy growth uh, on both sides of the root ball. Because if you if you cut it and all of the leaves are on one side, well, there's nothing to photosynthesize to get food to the roots on the other side. Right. So you need that foliage. You need an even division of foliage and roots. If you can't get that, don't divide. Oh, okay. You know how some pothos, it's just one strand that comes out and that kind of is it. And then others, you've got like... 10 or 11 coming out. Right. So one that has 10 or 11, you can divide. The one that has maybe one or two, I wouldn't recommend it. And then same thing, straight down the middle. Now, if you have one plant uh, that's coming out and it's just one crown coming straight out and that's it, like one stem, do you, you can't divide that. Okay. You cannot divide that. So you can't chop a potho stem or a spider plant stem in half and expect it to live. It, it will die. But if you've got multiple stems, absolutely you can. Uh, snake plants are a great example of that. Yeah. And same thing for house plants. Like if by dividing it, you can sort of spruce it up a bit. Most of the time, no. Most every time I've done it, they've really taken a step back. Yeah. So that's what I said is that it, it can be done. I don't recommend it. If there's something that you've been wanting to learn more about, you can message us on Instagram like Kathy did us an email social at goldenacre.ca and we have our anonymous voice messaging over on our website goldenacre.ca right on the podcasting page well next week we get the week off actually we're going on vacation right because uh the helpful gardeners need some time in their garden right so we're gonna do that but then we're coming back in september for a whole autumn mini series gardening is quite seasonal. There's different things you can do and I think we're going to be talking about all sorts of things. I really love that you called it autumn, not fall. We should put a poll out. Do you call it fall or autumn? Because I, that's very divisive. 
<laughs> Way to bring it full circle. Full seasonal. Full season. I like it. Well, we are obviously going to be bringing the fun in a couple of weeks, so we hope that you'll join us then. Have a great summer, everyone.